You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed our special edition yesterday, the roundtable discussion about the Black Lives Movement here on the podcast. That was a network-wide deal we did yesterday, so thanks for tuning into that. But a lot to catch you up on on a Friday here on the podcast. We're going to catch up with RJ Abadia. He works for the bootleg part of the 24-7 Sports Network covering the Stanford Cardinal, BYU's Week 12 opponent. Our opponent preview series kicks off as we are 12 weeks away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season. We also need to get to two player countdown series profiles as we missed yesterday. So we'll do number 84 and number 83 today as we are just 83 days away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season. And of course, we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. Two big high profile games for BYU basketball announced in the last couple of days. We'll talk about those as well. So a busy day on a Friday and it's all brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com as well as Built Bar. We'll tell you about both of those companies as today's show rolls on. With that rundown out of the way, let's get going here. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for June 12th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download your original daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome on in. We are your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about each and every day, as well as insider information on the Cougars that you will not find anywhere else. So please download the show wherever you're listening in from and make sure to follow or subscribe to it so you never miss an episode each and every day. All right, kicking off today's show, we need to cover a couple pieces of news here in this first segment before we make way for RJ Abadia from the bootleg to talk Stanford football. But let's start off with BYU basketball. Two high-profile games announced this week. BYU will be part of a quadruple header in Phoenix, Arizona in December as part of the Jerry Colangelo Classic. In that game, BYU will face Arizona State down at Talking Stick Resort uh, Arena in Phoenix. That is, of course, the home of the Phoenix Suns. And that's a pretty high-profile game against a Pac-12 opponent. But BYU got an even bigger game that's going to come up on November 17th, and that is that BYU will take on Oregon in the Phil Knight Invitational in Portland. That'll be the first week of the season, roughly, kicking off. And BYU will be in action in that. And Oregon might be the class of the Pac-12 this coming season once again. Uh, Dana Altman has done an incredible job building that program up, made it just a self-sustaining juggernaut in the Pac-12. They should be a top 25 team come the preseason, and BYU will have their work cut out for them. But I think this is exactly what Mark Pope wants to see on his schedule. High-profile games against some of the elite teams, especially in the Western United States. You play against teams like in Arizona State where Danny Hurley has done a good job building up the Sun Devils program. I already mentioned Dana Altman and the work he's done with the Oregon Ducks. To face off against two of the better teams in the Pac-12 is a fantastic, fantastic development for BYU in their non-conference. Also, we learned this week that BYU will be taking part in the Junkanoo Jam, but it's been modified. We already knew they were going to take part of this in the Bahamas. But BYU will face off against Oregon on October 17th. That'll be a Saturday. Then they'll fly immediately to the Bahamas on a Monday 
October 19th and also on the 20th, they'll play in the two games they're scheduled to play in the Junkanoo Jam there in the Bahamas. Originally, this was set up for BYU to play around Robin Forban against the other four teams, but they've since modified it, and BYU will actually be the top seed in this and face off against George Mason in the first game on November 19th. Should they win, they move on to the winner's bracket and face the winner of Tulsa and Boston College and vice versa. You lose, you face the loser of that. And that's some opportunity for BYU in about a four-day span to play three high-profile games. And that'd be fantastic to see for BYU. So a lot of fun with BYU basketball. This uh, non-conference schedule not officially announced quite yet for BYU basketball. But the bits and pieces we've been hearing about, BYU's got a lot of good games. Of course, they're going to face in-state foes, Utah State, Utah Weber State. Also going to take on Boise State as part of their home-and-home deal they signed up with. Also have UVU and San Diego State as well. So... The non-conference schedule for the Cougars, should they go out and play well again this season, should set them up as they get ready uh, for conference play and obviously another run at an NCAA tournament. I tweeted out yesterday on my Twitter feed, I'm expecting some good news for BYU basketball in the next couple of days. I'm expecting a transfer announcement uh, to be coming at any point, but we'll have that covered for you if and when it comes, as soon as it does come. All right, one other note for you guys before we get to our conversation with RJ Abadia is we are 83 days away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season. We didn't do a podcast yesterday, so we're going to talk a little bit about the two player profiles we would have had on yesterday and today's podcast all in one. So on day number 84, uh, BYU... Of course, sack artist Jan Jorgensen is war number 84 during his BYU career, and he took 90.5% of the vote amongst the fans voting in this, and for good reason. Jan Jorgensen was the career sack leader in the Mountain West Conference until Curtis Weaver from Boise State broke that record last year, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Jan Jorgensen, just an elite pass rusher for BYU, especially as a 3-4 defensive end for BYU. Really had a breakout campaign his junior year. Uh, Jan now coaching here locally at Snow College formerly a GA at BYU and also spent some time with Orange Coast College, etc. But Jan Jorgensen, a really easy selection, beating out the likes of Kirk Pendleton, Joe Lillenquist, and Mike Johnston in the day 84 countdown. And today, 83 days away, we actually had a pretty good vote going here, but I have to come clean that I screwed up on this royally. I will admit it. I had the four finalists to Spencer Hafoka, a good receiver in his own right. Matt Mendenhall, a great defensive lineman in his day for BYU. Another defensive lineman, Bill Leeper, and wide receiver Jason Cooper were the four finalists. Then it was pointed out to me that I omitted one name that probably should be the pick, and it's actually going to be my pick because I screwed up and I deserve to make amends for it. That is Bryce Doman. Of course, the Doman family, Brandon, went on to be the Dominator during the 2001 season as a senior for BYU. But Bryce Doman, in his career for BYU, 1988 and then also 1991 to 1994, uh, collected 96 receptions, 1,475 yards, an average of 19.2 yards per reception and 13 touchdowns during his career as a BYU Cougar. I don't know how I missed his name as I was doing the research on this, but I apologize for that. Under the current uh, format we had, uh, 
Spencer Hafoka actually took the fan vote. So we'll go with Spencer Hafoka as the fan vote, but I am making amends because I think if you would have had Bryce Doman amongst the four finals to be voted on, he probably takes the cake and he'll be my pick today because, like I said, I screwed up royally. So Jan Jorgensen and Bryce Doman, your player countdown profiles for today. Obviously, the players currently wearing those two numbers. Some good players in their own right. Number 84 belongs to Tavita Ika. BYU hopes that he can develop into the type of player that Aleva Hifo was. He'll be a redshirt freshman this year out of Provo High School, a former walk-on to the BYU football program. I think he's got all the ability to become that. He'll have to see if he ultimately can realize his dream. And then number 83, obviously, is Isaac Rex. And we did, a, we did a position preview earlier this week on the podcast, on the Wednesday edition, talking about a guy like Isaac Rex having an opportunity to really step into the limelight this year alongside a guy like Matt Bushman. I also wrote a little bit, little bit about this for 1280thezone.com. You can go there, read up on this, but I did a more of a written breakdown of the preview for the tight ends group for BYU and I really think a guy like Isaac Rex has got a lot going for him and we'll see if he ultimately can realize his potential for the Cougars as a redshirt freshman this coming fall so there you go some of the news and notes from BYU sports over the last couple of days I needed to catch up on coming up here in just a second a conversation with RJ Abadia from the bootleg part of the 24-7 sports network he covers the Stanford Cardinal what is Stanford? What are they going to look like this coming fall in his eyes? Are they going to be the type of team that BYU can beat? We'll get to all of that here in just a second. Before we do that, I need to take a minute today and talk to you guys about our good friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business as we've talked to you guys about. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. When you go to rockauto.com, you can search for all of the auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers for whatever type of car you guys have. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever your car needs, they've got it most likely. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and it's all delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts, guys? It's really easy to do. Go to the rockauto.com. You can look at their catalog. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Right now, go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you from here on Locked On Cougars. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. And that is rockauto.com, a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and us here on Locked On Cougars. All right, guys, kicking off what we call our opponent preview series here on the Locked On Cougars podcast today. Going to chat with RJ Abadia. He covers the Stanford Cardinal for 24-7 Sports, the network that they have. It's called the bootleg.com, covering Stanford Athletics. Does a great job. I'd encourage you guys to check out his work out there. I think he has a great thing going there. And hopefully you guys enjoy our conversation we're about to have here in just a second. BYU obviously going to finish up their regular season at Stanford on November 28th is when it is scheduled for. Here's hoping that the, state, that the season plays out exactly as we hope it does, and BYU is in Palo Alto on that Thanksgiving weekend. Should be a fun game, but what kind of opponent will Stanford be for BYU? Well, here you go. RJ Abadia with myself, Jay Catch, right here on Locked on Cougars. Please welcome in now RJ Abadia. He covers the Stanford Cardinal for 24-7 Sports. RJ, how are you today? 
I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing all right. Uh, let's start here, RJ. Obviously, a 4-8 and season uh, for Stanford is far below their expectations that they've had for, the, what, the better part of the last decade. What have David Shaw and company done to hopefully rebound this season from that lackluster year? Well, you know, obviously in the shutdown world that we live in, it's a little bit tougher to say what he's been done, what what he's done mm-hmm. um, to fix what happened last season. But in a in a certain sense, and 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 you know, not not trying to come off like crass or anything like that, but without having full spring football, one thing we can definitely say is that nobody got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as you know, as, as pithy as that may or may not be, the story of Stanford's season last year was pretty largely the story of them being hurt. Um, until the last five games of the season, they were not able to start the same five guys on the offensive line. Um, they lost um, All-America tackle. All-America left tackle Walker Little went out for the season in the first game. Um, and then starters on the offensive line ultimately fell by the wayside. There were really only two guys, uh, center Drew Dahlman and right tackle Foster Sorrell, who managed to play and start the majority of the season. So there was no offensive line continuity at all. And obviously, you know the ripple effects that that has on a team's offense, whether you're talking passing or running. And then, obviously, you know what that does for a team just overall. And so, you know, it's no small thing if and when Stanford regathers uh, this summer, it's no small thing to be able to say that they're coming into a fall training camp healthy because they haven't been able to do that. I mean, it's – Last year, the season took its toll, but really, they're in a bad cycle where for the last two or three years, spring ball has been compromised by guys who are injured and they can't play. Training camp has been compromised with key guys being out and unable to play and just to get reps, just to just to be a team and, and, and do all that stuff. So, you know, there's definitely some self-inflicted wounds and there's there's obviously more to the story than just injuries, but... That's certainly the headline issue. So to the extent that they've managed to get healthy and heal and uh, kind of recharge the batteries physically, um, they've taken big steps towards turning four and eight around. I want to get to the offensive line here in just a second, but of course quarterback, as a quarterback goes for the most part in college football, so goes a program. And KJ Costello transferred to Mississippi State uh, to play for Mike Leach, but that leaves Davis Mills, who at one time was one of the top, if not the top uh, quarterback in his high school recruiting class. Is Davis healthy? Is he expected to be the starter this year? Yeah, the, the deck has been cleared. For, for Davis Mills, and, you know, I would submit that Stanford would have been a lot more reluctant to see and or let K.J. go if they didn't have a player who they believed in as much as they believe in Davis Mills. Um, like you said, um, he was, you know, he was in Tua Tagovailoa and Jake Fromm's class, and he was just as, if not more, heralded and higher ranked than both of those guys coming into college. And he has just, he, he was hurt. He blew out his knee 
in his final high school game, um, a game that David Shaw was actually attending live. And so he showed up injured um, and really has been injured for most of his career. And he got hurt his freshman season without, I mean, playing any games. The final week of the season, he sustained another injury um, of his freshman year. So he has just been so snake-bitten by injuries that obviously, you know, those peers from his 17 recruiting class have gone on and enjoyed amazing success and become kind of household names. And, and Davis has just been forced to kind of work his way through injury after injury. And, um, and this is his time. I mean, that's really the bottom line is um, Stanford very much believes in his talent. Um, the time that he's been on the field, we've certainly seen the arm talent that we heard about. And the question now really is, can he navigate a 12-game season healthy? And if he can, I would be very surprised if Stanford didn't improve significantly. Um, and if he can't, 4-8 um, and eight might be the ceiling for this team. You mentioned the offensive line in the open here. And Walker Little highly thought of a guy who people think is going to be a first-round draft pick at some point whenever he decides to go to the NFL, whether it's after this coming season or after his senior year. Along that offensive line, they've traditionally, with Stanford, been very, very talented. Is he the headliner of that group, or is there another guy who is emerging that might be kind of the star? So he's definitely the headliner. Um, Like you said, um, had he not been hurt in the first game last year, I firmly believe he would not be back this year. I think he would have gone straight to the NFL draft. And that was a decision he was contemplating even after getting hurt from this past season. I mean, he was he was draftable this this season, but I think this past um, offseason, but I think, you know, you're talking about a guy who wants to play himself into that first or second round, um, and he's got the talent to do it. And you know, the one of the few glimpses we had, you know, before the team shut down, he had really reworked his body and put on some good, some good muscle um, in his upper body and had become kind of just physically different. I think he put on some really good and effective weight and was ready to take the next step forward um, as a player. So he is the headliner, but I will say that that line, even though they've got to resolve um, – they're starting guard issues. Um, that line should be good. Uh, Drew Dahlman will be back at center, and I think he's a name you're going to hear by the end of the year in terms of all-conference, whether it's first or second team. And then on the right side, um, Foster Sorrell, who was also, people may forget, he's also was a five-tackle, five-tackle, five-star mm-hmm. um, tackle. So, you know, they do need to lock down the guard issue, but they've got talent there. And I think that Davis Mills plus that offensive line in its healthy form are the biggest reasons to think that Stanford's going to be able to turn things around um, this season. Wanted to ask you about a guy who BYU fans will be familiar with. The name is Simi Fahoko. Obviously played here in Salt Lake City in his high school days. Really had a breakout stretch down the final stretch of the season last year. Is that something that you think he can replicate going forward, or was that more of a product of circumstance? 
I think he's going to have another step forward this year. I think um, certainly he had big moments for Stanford last year. He's just, you know, as, as you said, BYU fans, anyone from Utah definitely knows the talent. I mean, he's a really big guy who can scoot. I mean, he's very athletic, um, and he was very much a downfield threat for Stanford. I think he finished with a per-catch average of 24 yards or some obnoxious number like that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Stanford kind of, with with its skill position guys, kind of likes to spoon-feed and ease guys in. You know, last year was Simi's first year back um, from his – from his LDS mission. So, you know, he was an older guy and more developed physically, but obviously he didn't have a ton of experience. And this year, um, I expect him to take another step forward. I expect him to be more of a complete receiver and to kind of be used all over the field as opposed to kind of just being more of that deep threat guy. Um, so, yeah, he is he is a reason to be very excited um, for Stanford fans, and I, and I expect him – to take that next step this year. There you go. Part one of my conversation, talking mostly about the offense of the Stanford Cardinal. We'll get to part two, more about the defense and the game in specific against the BYU Cougars with RJ Abadio from the bootleg up here in just a second. Before we do that, though, need to take a minute today and tell you about our good friends at Built Bar. You've heard me talk about these guys over the past month or so, and these are the best protein bars in the market. And I'm telling you nationwide, but they are a local company here to the state of Utah, and they are revolutionizing how the protein bar game goes. Gone are the days that you feel like you need a gallon of milk to wash down your chalky protein bar. These protein bars that Built Bar has created, the Built Bars themselves, are soft and easy to chew and they legitimately taste like a candy bar. Every one of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They've got chocolate and nut flavors if you want that. They also got nut-free flavors which are prepared in actually a nut-free facility so you don't have to worry about the cross-contamination in that regard. Built Bars are the best protein bars I have ever had and I'm not even kidding. They legitimately taste like a candy bar and I crave them all the time. My favorite flavor lately, I love the pineapple upside down cake. It's been absolutely delicious. They have over 20 different flavor profiles for whatever type of palate you have. They've got a flavor that you will enjoy. I guarantee it. All Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, but high-protein and high-fiber. They are perfect for the health-conscious guy or gal, so check them out, guys. You can go to BuiltBar.com to learn more about this company. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Save yourself $10 on your first order. Built Bars, I'm telling you guys, they are the best protein bars on the market. Check them out. That's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Save yourself $10 on your first order. And let them know that LOCKEDON Cougar sent you when you stop by. All right, part two of my conversation with RJ Abadia from the bootleg coming up right now, right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. RJ, let's switch and talk a little bit about the defense. Another name that local... BYU fans will know is the name of Gabe Reed. Of course, his father played at BYU. He has been a standout player for Stanford since entering the starting lineup. Is he expected to kind of lead this defense this coming season? Um, I think he's definitely among the leaders, for sure. I mean, it's an interesting situation because I think Stanford, last year at offensive linebacker, you know, they, they suffered some injuries and they had they weren't as deep there as they wanted to be, and it was kind of an opportunity for, for Gabe Reed. And he did a pretty good job. I mean, he stepped up and, and gave them, he gave them some outside pass rush. And I think coming into this season, I think 
you look at him as a guy who probably figures to start at least at the onset. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got they're deeper now at outside linebacker, and they've got some guys that they're really excited about. Some younger guys um, like Andres Fox, Stephen Heron, Toby uh, Toby Umara, Umara, I should say. Um, so that's a position where they should be effective this year. Um, if you're looking at the Stanford defense, places where I expect them to be better, uh, inside linebacker and outside linebacker, places where they might be better and they need to be better, but I'm not sure they will be better, I would say safety and defensive line. I wanted to ask you, we saw during the offseason a number of guys in that front seven of that defense entered the NCAA transfer portal. Have any of them come back, or has this been an exodus that's going to have to be replaced? Uh, it's been an exodus, and you kind of you kind of hit the key issue because I think it was I think it was a little bit overplayed the quantity of guys who went into the grad transfer portal. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, Stanford's going to bring in a class. I'm not sure if it's the full 25 mm-hmm. um, when you include walk-ons, but it's 20 plus guys, and so at some point. Someone, some people had to go, and that's just a long way of saying I wasn't nearly as bothered or concerned by the amount of guys as the specific guys who ended up going. And Mike Williams and Jovan Swan were absolute no-question starters on the defensive line coming into the 2020 season. And to lose them both really opens up Stanford to relying on guys who are largely unproven. Um, on the defensive line. Thomas Booker is a guy who kind of, who was, he's on the ascent. He's a younger guy. He'll be coming into his junior year this year. Um, They like him a lot. And he got a decent number of snaps last year. He was in the D-line rotation. Um, But after that, you're talking about guys who, whether they've been on campus for a while or not, are just not experienced. And so the, the transfer portal story for me was way more about the quality of guys that left versus the quantity. That makes sense. I think a lot of people like to look at that in terms of, is, there have been multiple programs have had a number of guys transfer, but you really do have to look at the production uh, of those guys who do leave a program before you really can kind of factor things in here. Um, RJ, I wanted to ask you, though, in the secondary, if I'm not mistaken, all of the starters back this year for, for Stanford uh, in the back half of that defense. Is that correct? Yeah, and they should be they should be better as a result of it. I think Stanford's really happy with where they're at at cornerback. Obviously, Paulson Adebo deciding to return. He's yeah. another guy who I think a lot of people felt was very draftable coming after this season. But I think this season didn't go. He had a little bit of an injury issue, and I think the season just didn't go as well as he wanted it to go. Um, but he is an NFL draft-level guy, and so he's back at corner. Caillou Kelly, who's out of um, Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, kind of a, one of the national powerhouse programs, um, ascended to a starting job last year. He wasn't a starter when the season started, and he played his way to the top of the depth chart. And so those are two guys who they're really happy with at corner. Um, at safety, you've got Malik Antoine and Stuart Head, um, veteran guys who really got you know, extended playing time last year. Stewart Head was injured for a lot of last year, so he came back 
Um, he came back late in the season. But, yeah, I mean, I think that group has to get better, and the fact that they're all returning, as you said, um, gives hope that they will be they will get better. There's also, um, if there's another name to know, it would be Jonathan McGill. He's going to be a sophomore, and he was basically – Stanford's nickel last year. He ended up with he had a scoop and score touchdown. He made a couple other big plays and and just overall really kind of impressed the coaching staff, I think, and earned his way onto the field as well. So, you know, there are reasons to be optimistic. You gotta you gotta see him perform under the lights before you really say what progress has been made. But I think when you look at the Stanford defense, I don't know that they can flip it so much that they become elite. As, as some of their best teams and best defenses have been. But I would be stunned if they couldn't take at least some step forward towards respectability this year. RJ, last couple of things from me here. I wanted to ask you about the game against BYU. It will be the regular season finale for both programs. BYU kind of slotting in to help uh, the scheduling for the Pac-12 with Notre Dame and the historic rivalry they have with both USC and Stanford. What do Stanford fans think of that series against BYU in this game where it's slotted? Well, I think that, you know, it's tough because, you know, it's slotted for, I think, six some odd seasons stretching over the next 10 or something like that. Correct. Um, I think you're right, yeah. And so BYU is a name. It's certainly a program that everyone kind of instinctively respects, but I think for BYU and Stanford, it's pretty tough to project what each of these teams are going to look like in 2028. (laughs) Um, That game is an interesting game just because, you know, it's in that, it tends to be in that primetime slot. So obviously Stanford has a home and home with Notre Dame. So the years where it's Notre Dame, it's really kind of this big, um, this big finish that Stanford gets up for, even though it's not a Pac-12 game. There have been years where Stanford, you know, had clinched the Pac-12, and then coming into that Notre Dame game, you might think there'd be a letdown, but, you know, it's the last game, it's senior day, and it was Notre Dame, and so you, those games are generally very competitive and pretty entertaining. Um, and I would think that they would have a similar approach to BYU. You know, I think it's a, I think that just by seeing one another every year, I think that rivalry should build itself up. And um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously not the same buzz as Notre Dame, but I think, you know, in the every other year, if you're going to finish a, if you're going to finish your season with a non-conference game at home, um, that's a pretty solid name and a pretty good opponent to, to be doing it with. And then, RJ, what should be the goal for Stanford this year in terms of wins? Should they be looking at bowl eligibility, eight wins? Where do you slot them looking at right now? So, honestly, you know, we documented the the issues that Davis Mills has had and just the horrible injury luck that he's had. Mm-hmm. And my my attitude is, without knowing how many games he's going to play, they're almost impossible to handicap. I'll say, I'll just say this. If Davis Mills 12, if Davis Mills plays 12 games, then I think Stanford's going to win eight. Okay. Um, pending bounces going their way or not going their way. Maybe that drops to six, maybe it rises to 10, but I think if he plays 12 games, they should win eight games this year and have a nice bounce back. I don't think they're ready to step all the way back up to the national elite, but I think, I think they should bounce back, and I think 4-8 and eight, relative to this coming season should be an aberration. 
All right. Well, RJ, we can't thank you enough for joining us here. We're hoping to catch up with you as the season gets closer and in the lead up to that game between the Cardinal and the Cougars, okay? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Jake. There you go. RJ Abadia from TheBootleg.com. Can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. Has a great thing going as he covers the Stanford Cardinal. And I really do appreciate him taking the time to join us today. It was a ton of fun to get the lowdown on what's going on with the Stanford Cardinal. If you want to follow him on social media, check him out at RJ underscore Abadia. A-B-E-Y-T-I-A and make sure to let him know. Tweet at him and thank him for coming on the podcast. We have guests like him on the podcast. When they get feedback from fans, it makes them more apt to do so. Come back on the podcast, I guess I should say. It makes them more inclined to do so down the road. So make sure to reach out to him. Also make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search us out. Locked on Cougars is where you can find the podcast. Also make sure to follow my personal Twitter feed if you so desire. Jacob C. Hatch is the handle there. And of course, the email address for the show. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments at any time, you can reach out to us there. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. Once again, a big thank you to RJ Abadia from the bootleg.com for joining us on today's edition of the podcast. We will have our special player edition, player countdown editions of the podcast running over the weekend and back to our full editions of the podcast, full-size editions on Monday. Have a great weekend. Hopefully you guys are all doing well and make sure you join us each and every day right here on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars, the Locked On Cougars podcast. Have a good weekend. See you.